And um, so, you know, I don't want to go into too much of a, of a review here, but last week we started getting into the definitions uh, of what love is. And 1 Corinthians 13 really does paint a good picture. But I want to say this as we're getting into this today. Um, this is the most spiritual thing you can do. Thanks for that amen. Walking in love is the most spiritual thing that you can do. Period. What just happened this morning, this is not as spiritual as showing love to somebody. Laying hands on somebody and seeing tumors fall off of people is not nearly as spiritual as walking in love is. You want to be spiritual and you really want to be deep in God and you really want to show off how spiritual you are, this is how you do it. You know, it's not reading your Bible and praying will make you as spiritual as walking in love does. It is the most spiritual thing you can do. Why? Because the Bible describes God himself as love. God is love. So if you want to be the most like God, this is how. Now I want to say this to you, and you can take this for whatever you want, because, you know, obviously I, I just got done saying that speaking in tongues and, and, and tongues interpretation is for us today, but I don't believe that, that God's walking around in heaven speaking in tongues. I'm, whatever he's speaking, I'm sure it's, it's his language, and maybe it is tongues. I don't know. But I don't think they're giving tongues and interpretation in heaven. You know why? They don't need it up there. I don't think there's gifts of healing operating in heaven. You know why? Because your spirit man doesn't need healed. <laughs> but I know there. And this is the spiritual thing that you can do. And this will actually affect all the rest of the spiritual things happening here on the earth. You want to flow in the gifts more? Then you should walk in love more. You want God to speak to you when you're reading the Bible? Then you ought to walk, you ought to walk in love more. You want to pray and actually feel the presence of God while you're praying? You need to walk in love more. All right? And so last week we just touched a little bit on the first part of this, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 4, love suffers long and is kind. Another uh, translation of it says, uh, love, love is patient and kind. Um, and we talked about how there's a lot of people out there that are suffering, and when we use the word suffering, we're not talking about just being locked up in a prison somewhere or starving to death or something, one of those horrible versions of suffering. Don't get me wrong, those are suffering. But suffering is anything that is different. You have a disagreement with somebody, that's, that's a suffering. You're, you're not getting along with somebody, that is a suffering. You don't have your way, come on somebody, that's a suffering. I talk week, Jody and I, we suffer with each other. We're very much in love. And I had people come up to me last week, but boy, you're going to be in trouble when you get home. I painted myself just as bad last week, okay? We suffer because we're, we're different people. I am not her, and she is not me, and we have disagreements all the time. And when I said she suffers with me, that doesn't mean that I keep Jody locked up and she's not allowed to talk to anybody. And she better have my dinner sitting on the table when I get home. No, no, that's not, no, no. That's not what I meant when I said she suffers with me. Is that she just thinks different than I do, and I think differently than she does. And, 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 and it's the, the root word of suffering, that's what that means. A difference. And um, 
We were talking about how there are so many people out there that will suffer, but they're not part of the verse and be patient and kind while they're suffering. They are real quick to let everybody know how they're suffering and how I'm just putting up with this because I, I just, the Lord told me to. Or uh, I'm just putting up with this because, well, I just, I mean, I'm trying to be nice to you. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever said that? Now, don't get used to this. Because I'm just doing this because, I, I mean, the Lord told me to. That's not being patient and kind. Differences of opinion. Well, I've only got so much time and I'm out of here. I can't take it anymore. That's not being patient and kind. And so we, after that last week, we talked about that, that you need, to, you, need to, you, know, you need to be patient and kind while you're going through those differences. And I gave a story last week, and I, I, I talked about my, my good friend who was, I worked with at Rama for 11 years. He was the junior high youth pastor, and I was the high school youth pastor, and we officed together. And, but when we first met, we were polar opposite differences. He's from Brainerd, Minnesota, which is way up there near, you know, up in Minnesota in the middle of nowhere, and, and then moved down to Minneapolis. And so he's, he's a northerner. Any northerners in here? All you rude people. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. They're all shaking their finger at me because they all know it's the truth. No. <laughs> Seriously, how many Southerners we have in here? Raise your hand. Now, when you first met people, tell the truth, you kind of went, what is up with them? And all you Northern people thought, what's wrong with all these ignorant folks? <laughs> truth? Am I we're in church. It's okay, right? When I first met Keith, now Kentucky. Now we're neither north or south. Kentucky is neutral. In the you go but for the north or the south, we were neutral, which you know is horrible in of its own. Well, we don't care either way. <laughs> but but I would say. Kentucky I was raised in was definitely slanted a little more southerner and uh, the first time I met Keith I thought wow he is very sharp <laughs> and not mentally smart sharp that's not what my he had a very very coarse uh, sarcastic sense of humor and I'm pretty sarcastic too but I'm I'm a mere amateur compared to some of those guys from the north and and um as, as I said that, and I, and I first met him, everybody, you're not going to like him, and he's not going to like you, because you're just too different. So guess what? Our first interaction with each other was we suffered. He didn't really think too much of me, and I didn't think too much of him. But we were patient and kind through the whole thing. And here's the statement I made, and this summed up last week's message. If go and, and, and get to know him out of the shallowness of me, I would have missed the deepness of our relationship. And if you can't be patient and kind with somebody that's different than you, then you're shallow. That's all there is to it. And so we're going to pick up here and just keep going in this direction. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, we're going to go keep on reading here in verse number 4. Love suffers long and is patient and kind. Love does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Verse number 5 does not behave rudely, and does not seek its own. Now, 
let's go and, and, and look at these, these words here. Love is not rude to other people to get what they want, to get what it wants. Even if other people are rude to you. Now, I don't know about you, but if it's rude to me, it makes me want to just fire it right back at them. Let's see how you... Yeah, Keith, Keith is texting me right now. Hi, Keith. Um, uh, rude is... Um, is it, if somebody's rude to you, you just want to give it right back to them. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I mean, it doesn't matter who it is. If your family's rude to you, you're... Well, hello, rudeness. You go to a restaurant, and your waiter's rude to you. Come on, somebody. What is our first response? You're not getting a tip. <laughs> you, go, you go out somewhere. I mean, I, I, I spent the week in Tulsa last week. I had to get some things done on our house. Finally got a renter in there, praise God. And so we got it all taken care of. But I was in the line through TSA. Now, come on. That's like professional rude right there, right, isn't it? But, I, but it wasn't even the agents. It's the line. I'm standing there in line, and, you know, you, got, you almost have to get undressed anymore. You just, like, take your sweatshirt off and take your belt off, take your shoes off. And it's like, so I'm standing there, and I'm putting my shoes back on, I'm putting my belt back on, laptop sitting there, and, and my bag. And, of course, my bag's gigantic, backpack, all this stuff in it. And they're like, we need to go through your bag. And I'm like, well, knock yourself out. So I'm standing up sitting there, and this guy is just, like, in such a big hurry. And he's pushing those little gray things that, you know, he's just pushing them all, and he's shoving them, and he just, and, and I've got my hands around behind me, putting my belt back on, and I just watched, it was almost like slow motion, it was like, boom, 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 top, down, down, and I'm going, no, come, don't, 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 bounces, and I'm like, and I turn, and I look at this guy, and I'm just like, and he just goes, hey, sorry, <laughs> Picks up his suitcase and out, keeps on walking. Now, I wanted everything within me to go and grab this guy, because he was a little guy. <laughs> I mean, I could have just turned him into a pretzel right there. In the, I wanted to go put my hands on him and be like, what do you think you're, dude, that's a, that's a, my laptop. I wanted to be as rude back as possible. And the first thing, I mean, I'm serious, I turned and I looked at him, my eyes were real big, and I was just like, and the first thing I thought of is, what if somebody from your church was standing right behind you right now? <laughs> and I went, it's okay. <clears throat> now, the Brent Flash immediately thought you have every right to be as uncourteous to him as he is to you. But I've been studying, and here's what the word rude means. It's not just being uncourteous. Okay, that is part of the definition. But it is inattentive to civility. It is to behave unbecomingly. Now, I what does the word unbecomingly mean? Because if you think about it, I mean, you're saying, oh, that's so unbecoming. What does that mean? That means it's not 
becoming what it's supposed to be. So when somebody says that's so unbecoming, it means you're not acting the way that you should be acting. You're not becoming what you're supposed to be. It actually means be in an unfinished state. It has to be rough like a house gets roughed in before they finish it. Y'all, two befores exposed, wiring exposed, plumbing exposed, all the gross stuff exposed. It's all rough. It's just dry. Okay? It means lacking refinement or delicacy. Offensive in in your countenance and in attitude. Also in your actions. It is more uh, or suggests a lack of, of training or skill. It also means ignorant. <laughs> Indifferent to good form. It means uh, intentional discourtesy. Meaning this, you're no any better. Now I want to say this, okay? If the Bible says love is rude, that doesn't mean that if you walk in love, you have loved and you do thing. It doesn't mean you are finished. It doesn't mean you don't get mad. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you perfect. What is you don't act like you are. Listen, I am as unfinished on the inside as any of you are. People sitting next to you, we're finished. And all of you that are sitting there going, well, not me, brother. I've got it all together. <laughs> that you're unfinished right there. <laughs> Love doesn't mean that you've arrived at a state of perfection. It is like you have. Now there is a time coming. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. There is a time coming that we're to a completed state. We will be completed. We will be in good form. We will be perfect and we will be trained. And we will And that's what we're all striving for. Ephesians chapter 4 verse number 11. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, watch this. That we should no longer be children. Now, how many of you can just think about your kids right now? And you almost get embarrassed sometimes because your kids are rude. Come on. Younger. Now, listen, we got kids sitting in here, and I'm obviously not talking about them. Um, <laughs> listen, we were at night over at Magic Kingdom. And uh, we're, we're standing in line. And, and I mean, my kids don't. It's like lines? What are those? 
When we go in to get in line, they just start walking around people and just start making it. And me and Jody all night are going, oh, no, here. All night long, everything we went on. But you can't those people. Stop. Why? They don't know any better. They don't care. Buzz Lightyear is in there. Is that where he is? Yes, but see, all these other people want to go ride Buzz Lightyear too. So, and it's so funny that the kids are rude. They are. But isn't it funny that he talks about this? We should know. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Now watch this. But speaking the truth in love may grow into whom who led Christ from whom body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying self in love. So now I read this and I think the key to us becoming what we become, which is a perfect man, enjoying the stature of the fullness, the only way we're going to get there is by walking in love, or, or meaning what? Meaning we don't act like we're not finished. We act like we are, even though we aren't. Now, that's why God sent people like me, people like any other ministry you've ever... That's why we got sent to this process. But we have made a really bad choice in deciding that all of these ministers that we look up to, are they don't have their moments where they're ready to choke somebody behind the scenes. I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm not the only one. Every minister I've ever worked for or know they don't parade it out in front of everybody, but they all have issues with the, somebody that just... <laughs> every, one, every one of them do. Now, they may not act like it. They may not, again, funny about it. But listen, this is what walking in love is. It's suppressing that urge to choke somebody. <laughs> it's suppressing that urge to tell somebody Rudeness is letting out what you and probably everybody else is thinking. I, th I think it's so funny when somebody finally does tell somebody off and you think that there's somebody else in the room and they go, oh, thank God you said it. We were all <laughs> That's just being rude right back. Now, does that mean we get people walk all over us? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm not back to somebody else and show now show see watch this the fit of Jesus through me this is why walking in love is so important I'm unfinished but if I keep my mouth I act rude to people people will see the finished come on work of Christ in me in an imperfect person absolutely Walking in love doesn't mean you don't think it. 
Doesn't mean you don't want it. Doesn't mean you never think But it's choosing to act like you didn't think it. The reason that that is, is the next part of the, of, of the, of the scripture. It's not looking for everything that it wants. I mean, seriously, have you ever heard anybody else say somebody is rude and you didn't even notice the rudeness because it didn't have anything to do with you? I'm like, oh, really? I didn't catch that. Isn't it fun? Stop looking for what you want. The world just seems to become such a much better place. When we put pressure on ourselves seeking what we want, it's like, oh, I can enjoy myself. When there's no pressure... Everything just seems to be so much better, doesn't it? Yeah, flowers and rainbows and unicorns and everything's just, wee. Love does not seek its own. Love does not put its own desire, its own interests first. I spoke a few weeks ago about selfishness. So the question is, do you seek your own interests all the time? Now, relationships, obviously you need to put other person's interests ahead of yours. But then the question gets asked, well, how do, who, do I, who should I be doing this with? I mean, obviously when you're with somebody all the time, husband and wives, they can tell you, I need to put my spouse's interests before myself. We all understand that benefit. I understand I should put my kids' interest above myself. I probably should be that way with my sisters and my brothers and, and people. But who else should I be doing this with? Well, everybody. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't have to put up with. Yeah, that's right. You, you just don't have to. There's billions of people in the world you're never going to meet and have to put up with. But the people that you do have to put up with and that you do live with every day, this is the model you should be looking at. I shouldn't just be seeking my own. You know, you ought to go and let somebody get ahead of you in line at the grocery store. It's quiet. I mean, you ever, you ever started to go in there with your buggy? And you're like, <laughs> shove them right out. It's almost like When's the last time you started to go into a parking spot and somebody cut you off and you just smiled and said, God bless you. I wanted that. I'll be honest with you, this is kryptonite for me. <clears throat> this one bothers me. Especially when you go over to downtown Disney on a Friday night. Oh, someone please cast the devil out of those people. And you're, and you're sitting there with your boy. You're sitting there, you're, nobody else is around, and the car is backing out. And then all of a sudden, here comes somebody, a little teeny Honda. Zip! You're like, really? Really? You know, truck bigger than yours, and I could just eat your little Honda for lunch, right? <laughs> When's the last time, though, we did that? Well, I mean, how many times have we ever said, I don't know that? John, I don't like that policy. I hate that they do that to me. I mean, I don't like that kind of thing. What about the people that do? Come to church. 
song? Well, what about the person across the aisle who's crying and we touch their heart? What about that? I mean, what about them? Hello. You had to say, what people that got saved? What about, what about the person that did get delivered from drugs and alcohol listening to what was said? Well, your preaching's not really deep enough for me. I really, I just, I really need something more serious. Well, what about new believers in here that, knew, that need something else? Come on, somebody. I'm walking the aisle here. But if we're all for ourselves, you're going to miss what you need. If you always are consistently starting sentences with I, that is a red flag in your life that you're not walking in love. Some things that you can have, some, some things you kind of get this, you can have what you want. And that's true. But if you're all getting what you want, how is that not just seeking your own? I mean, Jesus told us that we can have whatever we ask, whatsoever things you ask. Obviously, there's an element to our wants and interests that is part of the relationship with God. I mean, why would David say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? Meaning all of my needs will be fulfilled. All of my wants will be fulfilled. That is a very real part of the Christian walk. But if you live with that as your main motivation, you're not walking in love. If you only come... I'm going to... Oh, <laughs> if, if, if you only for what church you're coming for the wrong reason if you only come to get fed then you're getting fat and I'm not talking just you know physically I'm talking spiritual fatness If you come to church just because you're getting fed is the wrong reason. That's seeking your own. You're in the church, and I don't care what from, you are brought into a church, and the Spirit of God leads you to a church to help somebody else. Now, whether in the vision of the church and, 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 and serving, and, and, and I believe everybody should be serving in a church, Okay, but but sometimes it it is early to serve on him because maybe you just aren't you don't have a talent that the church needs right now. But listen, there's still another reason that you're in the doors. God doesn't bring people to churches for them to just come and sit. Nobody gets called to do that. Everybody got that? Nobody gets called to a church to just sit and be fed. It wasn't that way in Acts when they all got filled with the Holy Spirit. And they all, then they immediately steadfast in the apostles' doctrines, but then they started helping to feed each other, and they started selling their things to help somebody else. Well, the whole point of building a community and helping one another. Okay? Even if you feel like you can, you could, I could do something so much better than somebody else, it's not about you. Okay, 
If you have to take care of all your needs uh, and make sure everybody knows what you want and what you need, you living leaving room for love makes other people feel. I mean, I, 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 there's some people that I can't talk to very long without just getting overdosed with eyes. Well, I'm facing this, and I'm facing this, and I need this, and I need that, and I don't know what to do about this, and I don't know what to do about that, and it's just, I, 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 and it's just a great big eye monster. If you are one of those kind of people, and you're, and you're still waiting for all those wants and needs to be filled, why don't you stop and ask and flip the eye and say, how can I help you? I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about anybody you come in contact with. I, come on now, pray for you. Listen, I, I want everybody to hear me on this. When you call and you ask us, keep me in prayer about this, I want to pray for you. I do. Every single, listen, Janet can tell you. I get texts from Janet two, three times a week. Will you please be in agreement about this with me? Will you pray for me about this? All the time. Uh, always, immediately, agree. Uh, anybody else that's ever called me or texted me or even Please pray with us about this. I want to. Check this out now. Listen to me. I want to, we want to pray for you. We want to be there for you. We want to be that's what pastors do. <clears throat> but if that's a consistent thing, and it's consistently, I need this and I need that, and I need you to pray for me, and I need if you want to make sure that your prayers start getting answered, flip that eye at the end and start saying, pray for you. Or is there something that the church needs to be praying prayed for? Somebody else, you see somebody else here in church and you ask them to pray for you? Uh, Lord, just be in agreement with me about this. I did it to y'all yesterday. How many of you read the email yesterday? Nobody? Great. Good job. I'll quit sending them. All right. I, I talked about our house in Tulsa. I said, everybody, be in agreement that that thing sells this time next year because they, that's, the, that's where they're at. They want to buy the house next year. So, so be in agreement with me about that. Okay. Now, in all the year, in two years that we've been doing this, I don't know that we've asked too many times for somebody to pray for me and Jody specifically. I ask you to pray for the church and stuff, but for me and Jody specifically, okay? Now, I felt like that was okay to do that because I, I'm praying. I am seeing our prayers answered sometimes before I even get out of my mouth. Lord, I need, bam, done. Now, are you bragging on yourself? No, I'm not bragging on myself. I'm saying we've sowed a lot of good seed into somebody else to make room for more in our life. You need way. If you're constantly panicking about your own and, and getting your own, and flip it. Stop seeking your own. You can help somebody else and make more of that in your life. You will sow some happiness in somebody's life. You know, we, we've been, listen, from the very beginning, and I'm going to say this, it's kind of a twofold reason for saying this, and then I'll wrap this up. We've been struggling from the very beginning of the church about keeping musicians. Y'all notice we've kind of had this constant turnover and people, you know, get busy or, or move or, or whatever. And I was sitting in a conference just a few weeks ago, and the speaker said, you know, some of you, and there were ministers there, and he said, some you know, want a, 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 a big, you're not sowing any seed into people who have bigger ministry than you. 
And he said, some of you churches that want a big children's ministry, you're not sowing into churches that have big children's ministries. You want a good youth ministry? You're not sowing into churches that have good youth ministry. Those of you who are struggling in your worship department, and I perked up real big, and I was like, he's talking to me. He said, you need to proceed into a ministry that's got great worship. And I was like, holy smokes, we're not doing that. So immediately, we back and sent a seed to a ministry that's no worship. That's what they're known for. And so, what are we believing for? We're helping somebody else do what they do to, so that we make, come on somebody, room for, we're not gonna, I could have just made my church and I just need to keep all of our resources right here and, and uh, you know, we're, I mean, we're, we're the storehouse. So, we're giving it away to make room for more because we're not seeking our own. We're loving the body and that's what you need to do. If you're so worried about your needs, go sow some seed in somebody else. Stop worrying about yourself. And as we close, look, I'm closing my Bible. <laughs> that is impossible to do walking in the Spirit. You can't just go and give something away and it brings spiritual results into your life unless you're doing of Christ in your heart. If you're not saved, doesn't do you, I mean, it's a principle that, that does work, but it doesn't bring the fruit that it should bring. Too many times we walk and we'll get selfish. I got my rights. What about me? Take my But love doesn't insist on its own way, and it's not rude. And as long as you're going to contend for your rights, you're not going to walk in the love of God. And if you're not walking in the love of God, you're not walking with the greatest.